This gospel text from Luke for this Feast of Christ the King seems a rather curious choice for our reflection today. In a few days, we begin, of course, this wonderful season of Advent that leads us into the celebration of new life in the mystery of the Incarnation. And yet, today, we hear this passage of torturous death of the very one who was sent to bring life in all its fullness to all of God's people and God's creation. So it seems to me we have to dig a little deeper into the broader picture of Jesus' life in order to make any sense of the scriptures for this feast of Christ the King. We are more familiar with today's gospel text as a gospel from Palm Sunday, Good Friday. And certainly Christ wasn't the first so-called king in ancient history or even in history after the time of Christ to be put to death by the populace or by those who thought they were his enemies. Kings in history, both before him and after him, were often dethroned in any manner of ways. Some were imprisoned, some were exiled, some were beheaded, some were deported, and perhaps some were impeached. I don't know. (laughs) But they were driven from their throne and their country on a regular basis. It didn't seem to be a very safe occupation to aspire to. But we know Jesus was no ordinary king, if there is such a person. And he had, in fact, made a point of rejecting this title throughout his life. You may recall, of course, at the very beginning of his public ministry, when he was led by the Spirit into the desert, to encounter and confront the tempter, the devil. And one of those temptations was that he could have all of the kingdoms that laid out before him if he would bow down and worship the tempter. And we know that Jesus rejected that. And we hear also in the gospel where after one particular miracle, the crowd was so impressed that they rushed to make him king. But the gospel says, that he slipped through the crowd and went off by himself to pray. And so there were other titles that were given to him that seemed to rest more easily, perhaps more honestly, upon his shoulders. None of them were royal in their character. The teacher, the rabbi, the healer, the companion, and the one that he adopted himself the Good Shepherd. The kingship of Christ was truly then counter-cultural. His troops, as it were, were a gathering of rather ordinary folks, not unlike ourselves, I think. They weren't particularly disciplined at some times, and other times they doubted, other times they weren't at all sure what Jesus was up to. His kingdom didn't have any borders, it didn't have any buildings. 
And he said to those who would follow him, the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. His power, if one could call it power, and it was an extraordinary kind of strength and power that he had, was based on who he was, not on what he owned or what he was in control of. In fact, he said, everything that was his came from the Father. His treasure, he didn't seem to have any. And he told his followers they didn't need any either. But he had this incredible abundance of compassion, and of mercy, and of love. He spent his life empowering, not overpowering. He was about healing, about unifying, about reaching out and embracing, about forgiving and making others whole again. And there were no exceptions to that. And in his final act of living, he forgave those who wanted him to die. And yet, this kind of kingliness put fear into the secular authorities because, because he got inside people's hearts. He moved their spirit. He spoke to their soul. And he, he promised life, eternal life with God. And so the leaders were threatened by this kind of charism because they didn't understand it. And when we don't understand someone, we, we become fearful. And sometimes we become resentful. So they jeered at him, Luke says. They scoffed at him. and They re rebuked him for being who he was and what he was. Being more peaceful, more loving, more alive was a threat. And yet, Jesus was saying, this is what leadership looks like. And those who would follow him, this is what discipleship looks like as well. He told them when they brought him to death that they didn't know what they were doing. And then he forgave them. And they didn't know what to do with that. Luke says that those who stood and watched went home beating their breasts. Maybe they didn't know what remarkable event had just unfolded in front of them, and they weren't sure what to do about it. Unsolicited forgiveness can be a frightful joy. There's this wonderful poem from John Shea in his collection of poems, The God Who Fell From Heaven. And it's called The Prayer for the Lady Who Forgave Us. Unsolicited Forgiveness. He writes, There is a long-suffering lady with thin hands who stands on the corner of Delphia and Lawrence and forgives you. You are forgiven, she smiles. The neighborhood is embarrassed. It is sure it has done nothing wrong, and yet every day a small voice forgives them. 
On the way to the Jewel food store, housewives pass her with hard looks, and then they whisper in the cereal section. Stan Dumpke asked her right out what she was up to, and she forgave him. And a group who care about the neighborhood agree that if she was old, it would be harmless. Or if she was religious, it would be understandable. But as it is, and so they asked her to move on someplace else. And like all things with eternal purposes, she stayed. And she was informed upon. And on a most forgiving, unforgiving day of snow and slush, while she was reconciling a reluctant passerby, the state people, whose business is sanity, persuaded her into a car. She is gone, and we are reduced to forgetting. Being forgiven is a two-edged gift. First, it is the gift of freedom from whatever binds us, from whatever holds us, from whatever diminishes us. And second, it is a challenge of what to do with this gift of freedom. A changed heart is a frightful joy. As disciples of the King of Forgiveness, we are both the forgiven and the forgivers. For being forgiven means that the acts of forgiveness that flow into us must certainly flow out of us. No exceptions. The kingship of Christ that we celebrate today was defined by his integrity. What he preached in life, he died doing. What an astonishing truth and gift we have to know someone like that who loves someone like us. The chosen one always chooses us. No exceptions.